Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Many have argued that football has made the greatest contribution to Ghana being known on the world stage. Do you share that perspective or that view? Starting with Starlet's 89, Starlet's 91, a new global frontier was accessed that eventually culminated in the World Cup participation in 2006 in Germany, 2010 in South Africa, and the last one, 2014 in Brazil with all the challenges that came from it. But tonight, it is my singular honor to bring to you on radio and live on Facebook two very, very precious members of the Ghana Black Stars, ex-players of the Black Stars, a captain and our vice captain who have notably contributed their quota to lifting the flag of Ghana and who continue to do so in diverse ways. Let me start from my left if you're watching on Facebook with the man they call El Capitano, the first Ghanaian to captain a team to the World Cup. Stephen Tornado up here. Stephen, welcome to Springboard. Good evening. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Albert. Right. So also in the studio is Anthony Bafo, our vice captain who led out the team in that final in Senegal, 1992, the day that I cried. And then also as March Commissioner, the finest day as March Commissioner for the 2014 World Cup final in Brazil, the day I smiled. Definitely another proud moment for Ghana football. Anthony, welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much. And with the point of correction, uh, I worked the team out as a general coordinator, not as a match commissioner. Right, general coordinator. I like that one. But it was, yeah. it was so good to see you in the pictures. Thank you. Beautiful. Right, so we're going to share some thoughts about football, about talent development. And if you're listening tonight, share your share your finest Tony Buffo moment and your finest Stephen Apia moment with us via Facebook. Just Catch our streaming live on Facebook and, and post your comments there or send it by WhatsApp 024-999-555, And we want to talk about talent development, talk about football, talk about our heroes and try and get some perspective of, of the journey from the beginning and then the actual playing days and then life after playing. But let me start with this perception that football is the best Thing that happened to Ghana in terms of global awareness. Let me start with you, Anthony. Football, how has football put Ghana on the map? In your opinion, do you share the idea that football is the, the big thing in terms of people getting to know about Ghana? Uh, definitely, but um, you see, if you look at, if you look at uh, Stephen Appiah and myself, we made our names True Football. True Football, we became known, you know. He all over the world because he captain he was the first to captain Ghana uh, to the World Cup. If you look at somebody like Abedi Pele or uh, Anthony Yeboa who was still household names uh, uh, in the industry George Weah who's Liberian who might inshallah become the next president of Liberia. He also made his name and uh, got his popularity through football. Football is not only um, an ambassadorial job especially with your life after football. I believe that um, uh, football also unites people, which is very, very important. If you remember when Ivory Coast had uh, civil war and uh, whenever DJ Drogba was playing with the Champions League, everybody put their arms down. So it has a vital effect 
on uh, sports stroke uh, football. It's, you know, we can go to other categories like acting, musicians, who also contribute um, to making Ghana uh, more known and, and, and more famous. But football is definitely something uh, really, really big when it comes to uh, the representation of uh, country or a whole continent. Uh, uh, before, when we were talking to you, you uh, shared memories of the World Cup 2006. Right, right. And that's when, you know, when all these, at that time, it was um, uh, President John Ajikum Kufo, who uh, was in Helm of Affairs. And whenever they go for, um, uh, let me say, debates or they go for big meetings, the first thing uh, will be, hey, Ghana has a good team, right. you see. And um, I will never forget... I was uh, part of the team as uh, the director for international relations, and um, I you know the Voice of America. Right. I think it's uh, the TV show, stroke radio show, and they called me before the match against the USA. And uh, when I said I'm from Ghana, and they said please spell, and then I said when we beat the United States of America, I think now you know how to spell Ghana, right? right? <laughs> Introductory thoughts from Anthony Bafo telling us about football being a very very good ambassador for or export from Ghana. Let me come to El Capitano and find out from you Stephen. My, my greatest, I, 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 I spent the whole day trying to zero in on my greatest Stephen Apia moment and I put it out on Facebook and there was a huge argument. Some said the two goals he scored in Kumasi against, against South, South Africa. Africa and then some said the two assists he scored in Johannesburg against South Africa and, and it was a huge debate. I said to them my greatest moment was not even a goal. It was not even actually playing. It was the very first match at the World Cup against Italy. Standing in the stands, I remember with a Sankuma Horatio, i.e. Um, um, with our hands on our chest singing the national anthem and the camera focused on you, the look in your eyes. It was almost like this was the, the, the time of my life. How did you feel leading the nation to the first World Cup? I mean, we had waited for years to go to World Cup, and you were leading the team to the World Cup. The, the, the look in your eyes said it all, but tell us about it. About well, um, I think that feeling, there's nowhere to describe that feeling because, uh, as you said, um, we were waiting for that time for, for so many years. I remember when we came out from the dressing room, uh, played in Italy for, for so long, and we played for against Italy as well. And then uh, I remember uh, Dear Piero came to me, Tamaranesi, uh, Zambrota, uh, Buffon. Uh, those, were, those were colleagues in Juventus. Yes. Right. Yes. And Cannavaro. Right. So Cannavaro uh, was the captain. So uh, he hit my chest and he, he was like, oh, you two, you are here today. And I was like, of course, we are here. I mean, it's a great feeling, as you said. Um you see, we have we have a different spirit of playing uh, those kind of uh, games. That's why you see world-class players, when they don't qualify to the World Cup, you see them crying on TV and uh, they become sad because that's the ultimate. And uh, being the captain, I mean, we have had great, great players. Uh, um, my big brother is sitting uh, right beside me. I mean, their time, I think that they had the best squad, but... They couldn't get a chance to qualify to the World Cup. I think that in life, everything is, is time. I mean, uh, the time was so right for us. And um, I always say that during my career, I've never, ever scared to play a game. 
but I remember when we played against Cape Verde in Cape Verde. Uh, that afternoon, I mean, the players could see that there's something wrong with me because uh, I'm a type that when we, where we are in camp, at times I, 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 I try to pass through and crack jokes and stuff like that because they don't see me doing those kind of things. And it's, as, it's Asamwajan and John Pence, they were the ones who entertained the camp. Right. I mean, after, after our lunch, dinner, you see them sitting there and trying to crack some jokes. So um, that afternoon, uh, I was very, very, uh, I was scared. I was, uh, I mean, I wasn't myself. What was the problem? The problem was, uh, I, I started thinking, that was our last game. I started thinking. A match. Yeah, yes. I started thinking that we have done so well. What is going to happen? If Kvet beat us, that, that means that we are out of the, uh, you know, we don't get the chance to qualify to the oh, World Cup. So right. it dawns on me and I was... I couldn't even eat that, that game. I, I remember when we went for lunch, everybody was hitting and I was sitting there. So I went, I get uh, an apple and that was my, my lunch. So when we were going to our room, I took two banana. Uh, I took a banana. It, it was one, sorry. So uh, when we went to the dressing room, before we went to the park, uh, to the pit to warm up, I had uh, the banana. That was my lunch. So I mean, um, it was it was. That's why I said there's no way to describe that feeling. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, when they were playing the national item, I started telling myself that yeah, me yeah. too, I'm here. You've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you just joined us, my guests Anthony Bafo and Stephen Apia, we are talking about talent development, and our focus is on football. But of course, we can't go into talent development without talking about those great moments that we live for, those moments that we say, hey, that was it. That was when he knew you were, you were really a football nation. Anthony, for the benefit of those who haven't been to these tournaments, we see the playing. We know it's a 90 minutes. If you if you don't survive, you play three games, so 270 minutes, and then you are back home if you don't survive. If you survive next round, and then you become a final and so on. But the real action seems to be what happens off the pitch in between matches, the interviews, I mean, let the public have an idea about the, the real experience in between matches and so on, just for the benefit. You know, I, I never participated in the World Cup as a player. I played uh, various uh, African Cup of Nations. But uh, now, in working for FIFA in CAF as a general coordinator, um, it means you're in charge of the whole venue, like a CEO of the venue, an event director. Um, um, I still have the opportunity to go into the dressing room, call the players out. Being, uh, I can't, you can't get closer um, to the players unless you play. Right. So I still get that feeling. You know, I, I, I can't play with those young boys anymore. <laughs> I still look uh, uh, fit, but you know, your time is over. I always say we are part of the museum now, you know, but uh, people who are in the museum have written history, which is also very, very positive. But you know, the whole preparation, especially um, what you, a dressing room is like, um, uh, a bedroom um, of a family between wife and husband. Normally, nothing should come out from there. Much preparation as such. When you wake up in the morning, uh, he already explained to you something special, feeling excitement, feeling nervous, you know, um, being uh, uh, ambitious um, positively. So there are people... I've, I've been with roommates who go to the toilet every, every, every three or four minutes. Because they're overexcited. I've been with guys who even sm smoke a cigarette, you know, to 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 calm down, you know. And um, myself, I was more um, 
the cool and the calm guy. I'll take my book and read and, um, and, and take it easy. But match preparation is essential. You focus. Just imagine how a goalkeeper prepares. He has to have uh, a high mental uh, preparedness because he can be 89 minutes fantastic. Just consider one goal and then it's over. As a player, you can always recover during uh, 90 minutes. So you see much preparation uh, physically, uh, psychologically, mentally uh, plays a major role. And then also, of course, what kind of a coach you have. How is he going to motivate you? The technical team behind, how are they going to motivate you? And then the team spirit as such. And in a team, you always have one, two stroke, three leaders. And they will carry on what the coach is telling you. On the pitch, but it's a fantastic job. The only thing I can say, when you sign your first contract, you think it's never going to end. We'll come back to life after football, but Stephen, what, what was your greatest day as a Black Stars captain or a Black Stars player? I've told you my my Stephen moment or my yeah. greatest day, but what was your own your greatest experience for you? Well, I think when we beat uh, South Africa in Kumasi. Because um, we haven't beat them before, and uh, I remember we lost our first game against Burkina Faso in Burkina Faso. So that was our second game, and um, Ghanaians were scared because uh, when we meet South Africa, they always beat us. So um, and, 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 and by the way, the three nil loss against them in the Nations Cup that they hosted. It was even more annoying because they have something they call shibobo. When they when they are leading and they are they are comfortable, they start playing all those tricks. And yeah, they actually humiliated us that day. It was it was painful. So <laughs> I can understand the feeling. Oh yeah, but um, let me give it to I mean the fans in Kumas and Ghanaians. I mean they came to support us. The atmosphere was 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 super because. I mean, that week we knew that we were going to win the game. Wow. And we beat them 31. I scored two goals, as you said. And, I mean, the best moment is when we qualify to the World Cup. I think that, that, that's the best moment. Right. Yeah. So, I'm just reading some comments on Facebook. Yao Dante says, that goal against South Africa, the Kumasi Sports Stadium, and route to Germany in 2006. Kwesi Protocol says, anytime Ghana is down and he raises his hands to the fans to cheer on. Gamel Sankal says, the moment he scored the penalty against USA during the Germany 2006 World Cup, I was in SH- SHS 2 then, and I shouted my heart out. Ruru Kampoff writing, <laughs> writing from, from Maryland says, you stole my words away. That was an iconic moment for me as well. Talking about that goal against Germany, the converted penalty against USA, USA sorry, the yeah. penalty against USA. And then um, Henry Bonney says, your goal against Schalke when you were playing for Fenerbahce in Turkey. That was for him. The Steven moment. Let's talk about disappointments. What was your saddest day as a captain? I, I, I can tell my saddest day when you were captain. But which one is yours? Uh, captain, captain, captain. I think 2006 um, African Cup in Egypt. When we played our first game, second game, we played against Senegal and I got injured. So uh, it was like I couldn't play the third game. And we have to beat Zimbabwe to qualify to right. us from the from the group st- uh, group stage, and we lost that game, and we were out of the out of the uh, competition. Right. I think that that was my sad. Was, was it the game that they blamed our black jersey or something like that? Yeah, that that's the the, the, <laughs> the game that we wear the black jersey. Right. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you. They, they, all the same, the jersey doesn't play. It. Yeah. It, was, mean, it wasn't the jersey. Yeah, it wasn't the jersey. Yeah. We, we took them for granted and they beat I us. Mean, <laughs> Let me. I'll tell you the one that the one that the one that really broke my heart. It was also just like the one I mentioned earlier. It was also the penalty loss. You were general captain then, not 
but it was the it was yeah. the 2010 World Cup South Uruguay. Africa against Uruguay. Uruguay. I just couldn't believe it. I've spoken to Zimbabweans who said, "How could we do that?" I've spoken to people from different countries who were probably even more hurt than Ghanaians. That moment, it froze in time. I remember exactly where I was, and I remember I just froze. And I said, wow. In fact, I think what shocked me was not even the penalty loss. What shocked me was actually yeah. the, the, the summer penalty that he missed just before the, the match ended. How did you feel that day? I just don't want to talk about that, that moment because I think some of us is going to hunt us for the rest of our lives. And I remember, I mean, there were, there were a lot of arguments that... Um, I was holding the ball and I wanted to play and Asamwajan came and grabbed the ball. He said he wanted to. It wasn't, it wasn't true. What happened was when Suarez used his hand to clear the ball from the post, uh, I mean, it, it, it's either goal or penalty. So it depends on the referee, the decision that he's going to take. And at that moment, I saw the, the linesman running, go, going towards the center line. That means that it's a goal. So uh, because of the vuvuzela, the noise, I was telling, like I was telling Asamoida, he should look at the linesman. He's going to the goal. He's goal. So let's start yeah. So, uh, I mean, because he was holding the ball, people thought that, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. If you guys are celebrating, the referee are taking the goal. Yeah. If you if you if you realize it took the referee like 10 15 seconds before he decided that it, it, it's a penalty because he's waiting at times referees they get confused as well so they want a reaction from the players so if we like we started doing something i think that he will accepted it as a goal and, and you think about it at night sometimes uh, well uh, we wanted to make history uh, because cameroon had been there before uh, the quarterfinals i think uh, nigeria senegal, uh, senegal. So we wanted to go ahead of them, and then uh, playing the semi-final that means that you stay uh, throughout the tournament. Because right. even if you lose in the in the semi-finals, you have to play uh, a third place. And I remember, I quite remember that we played against uh, Holland in in Holland, and then they beat us. I think four four one four one yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that, that is going to motivate us that because we will meet them in the semifinals. That is going to, mo- apart from uh, making history, we wanted to beat them. But unfortunately, uh, um, it didn't happen. So, uh, I mean, it, 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 I think it's, it's the saddest, saddest moment for me. But just that I don't, I, I don't like focusing on Yeah, too yeah. Because it's still haunting some of us. Right. Let me ask you a very rhetorical. I mean, a question you, you, you don't really need to have an answer. But will we ever get to the semi-final? I mean, somebody's asking, what will it take? Lexo as speaking from writing from Virginia in the US. Alex, he says, ask Stephen, will we ever win the World Cup? It's not only Ghana alone. It's Africa. Let's let, let's say Africa. But I'm sure that one day, one day, uh, we'll see one of the African countries. I mean, uh, lifting up the trophy. We're having this wonderful conversation with Stephen Tornado Apia, El Capitano, and Anthony Bafu. Both men have held the flag of Ghana aloft at the very highest level, representing the country and making history. And we are, we are trying to catch those days back a bit before we go into the issue of talent development. What does it take to develop talents? How do we scout the very best talents? We are talking about talent development and my guests, Stephen Tonedo Apia and Anthony Bafo, helping us to uncover the world of football, share some deep insights into what happens both on and off the pitch. And I want to turn my attention now to how do we extend those great moments? How do we continue the legacy that they've, the foundation that they've laid and they've built on? How do we find that person, that talent that is hidden somewhere 
in the village. How do we get the best of our football continuing from strength to strength? Let me start with you, Tony. Anthony, how were you, how was your talent unearthed? I mean, I know there are different dimensions. Some started their careers outside, some started here, but how was your talent unearthed? Um, as you said, outside. I was not born in Ghana. Right. Uh, I was born uh, in the former capital of Germany in Bonn. My father was a diplomat uh, and uh, uh, grew up in Germany. And uh, I came, I, I would say, back to my roots in uh, 2007 to stay uh, for good. Um, how did I start playing football? You know, I, uh, I already started playing on the street. And, uh, in Germany? In Germany. Uh, sometimes we will block the street so no car can pass by. It's actually so, called Gotha to Gotha. Uh, yeah, you can say Gotha to Gotha. Um, but in, in the middle of, um, you know, we lived in a diplomatic neighborhood where Japanese people were, Moroccans, Germans from the foreign, from foreign affairs. And uh, on Sundays, for instance, um, it was forbidden to drive um, that uh, you... No, it was like that. On Sundays, people were advised to take public transport. Right. You see, because they wanted to keep the streets clean, neat, uh, etc. So we blocked the street in, in our compound where we were staying, and then they had to take deviations. So we played football, we played hockey, we played basketball. So um, then I started organizing matches. We played, uh, let me say, um, uh, Albert Auckland Street against right. Comfort Auckland Street. <laughs> you, you understand? That's how we, we started playing. Five aside? Uh, seven aside, uh, then eight against eight, nine, to, nine against nine. It depends on how many uh, players uh, were present. Right. You know, and then we take maybe singlets. Everybody should wear a white singlet. And, and we play. Then, uh, you know, youth competitions in Germany are very well organized. Right. Um, my other sister, Rosalind, um, she, uh, uh, her classmate, the father, was running a club and was the chairman of a club. And he asked, don't you have brothers? And um, then she came and then I told my brother, Mike, who's two years older than me, uh, uh, let's go to the training. I didn't have boots, you know, so I was wearing raining boots. So we're going to the training, and then the man said, hey, don't you have boots? So no, we didn't have boots, the correct boots, because it was raining that day. Right. So he looked into the box where uh, people who have left shoes, and then there was one pair. And I told my brother, who was older than me, you take it. So I played with the raining boots, and I scored two goals that day. <laughs> you know, and then... Um, did your, man, did your brother score? Uh, my brother didn't score, but uh, but he also did well. He also did well. Tough striker. You know, he was he, he was quite fast. Right. So um, then everybody started coming to the house, and uh, my mother didn't want me to play football at all because education was key, very very important. And my father said, "Oh, if he can combine both, oh, allow him to play." You know. Then. I started with the age of nine. We played seven aside from 18-meter box to 18-meter box. And, uh, you know, I converted uh, to the Islam in 1993. But then uh, I was still a Christian. I had my first communion. And they blocked me from going uh, to play the match. When I finished my first communion, I ran away in the suit. I went to score three goals. We won the match. And I came back. I said, where were you? Where were you? I said, Daddy, I scored three goals. I scored two goals, you know. And he said, so you really went to play? I said, yes. I was wearing my suit. No, no. I went to wear the jersey. 
and um, I I, uh, I went to play. But I I managed to combine education and football, which I think is very very uh, essential. Then also is in Germany the youth competitions are very well organized. You have even under five, you have under seven, you have under nine, you have under eleven, under thirteen, etc. Up to a certain age, you play seven aside. You know, and um, it's also important. Uh, when we are talking about discovering talent, to include the schools. You see, in Germany, for instance, they have changed. They're going back to full-time school. Here we go to school from 8 to 4 or 5, which I personally think is too long. Because when you're young, even we, the adults, around 1 or 2, we get tired, which is natural because we all get up very early because of the traffic situation depending on where you are. So we went to school from 8 to 1. When we stayed till 3, that means we had sports. Now they're going back to full-day school. So from one to five or six, you will have sports, stroke, football. And they have even football subject in classes. And that's where you start picking the talents. And I think uh, uh, it's, it's not bad at all. I mean, the, the process he describes, the very well-structured process he is, is describing in Germany, that, that's not present here in Ghana. I mean, here it's, it's either you are, somebody spots you playing somewhere or the call, the call system used to be very good. What happened to it? Well, uh <coughs> As you said, uh, it's different from, from Ghana. Ghana, we don't have that system here, going to school at the same time playing football. Either you play football or you go to school. Um, for instance, when um, I was born in Choco, I'm in a fishing community, grew up in Choco, and uh, my dad was a seaman. Uh, so, I mean, uh, myself and my siblings, we were living with uh, our, um, our mom. Um I attended uh, St. Martin's Preparatory School. And those days, I mean, life was very, very tough for, 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 for the family. So uh, I have this guy called Daniel. I mean, they were very, very rich, but Daniel doesn't like school. So one day uh, I saw Daniel on my, on my way to school, and then Daniel told me that, uh, Stephen, let's, let's run out from school and I'll buy you uh, uh, beans and plantain. As soon as I heard beans and plantain, <laughs> I said I have to follow Daniel because, I mean, uh, as a kid growing up, I didn't, at times it's so difficult. I don't have money in my pocket. I no food uh, to go to school. And so we went to Salvation Hamming Park and we started playing football. We saw a, a lot of kids playing football. Daniel said, Stephen, I know that you know how to play football, so joined the kids. I joined the kids and we started playing. And I saw this man standing 25, 30 meters from where we were playing. So after the game and the man came to me and he said that oh, we have a, a course team under 10, under 12 and under 14 if I wanted to join the uh, under 12 team. Um, I said, okay, I would love to join the under 12 team but I should come and talk to my mom. So uh, the coach came to, to our house. Uh, he spoke to my mom. And my mom said no, but I wanted to play football. So I told my mom that uh, I would prefer to play football, not to go to school and get all the lashes. And so, um, so um, I joined the coast team called Mighty Victory. And luckily, I started playing under ten, and then uh, they said that I was very, very good. So they promoted me to under twelve, from under twelve, under fourteen, under fourteen to under seventeen. And I quite remember that we played a game against Kowloon Baby. That time they were uh, the best yeah. uh, coast team because they have all the players. I mean, Aziz and Salai, Kinsin, Godin, Atram, Osebwat, uh, uh, Boatin, Dankwe. All these players were playing for Kowloon Babies. And we played that game uh, Wednesday at uh, Art Center where Akara Sofogi used to train. 
So we played that game one o'clock. After the game, Accra Sofok team will uh, train. And uh, I scored two goals. Uh, I played very well. So after the game, uh, the team manager then, uh, Thomas Okan, known as Nia Ibonte, uh, uh, called me and he said that, oh, you are a good player, so you can join the Aroras. Uh, I said, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would love to join the Aroras. So uh, I started tra- training with the Aroras for, I think, two or three months, and then I was promoted to Accra Suffolk. And, I mean, it's sad that today, where we used to play, you go to the area and then you see building on the, uh, on the parks. As Tony said, it's so difficult for even scouts to tap the talents because, one, the coast team is not there anymore. All these players, myself, Peter Furikwe, Likinson, we all, I mean, came through coast. But now we don't, coast football is not there anymore. So, and the academy too is not providing like the way the coast team, uh, teams were, 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 were providing. And um, for instance, this June, we have Milo, who have uh, under, under, under 13 Champions League, where the, the, the regions, the schools, they, they come together and they play the competition. And I'm the, uh, the icon, icon of the, 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 the tournament. And then it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. You don't see the best players from Greater Accra or Ashanti region. All of them are from the Northern region. And I, ask, I always ask myself, so all this talent, after the uh, tournament, the competition, I mean, yeah, what, what are they going to do? They go waste. So I think that uh, we, we would love to have um, corporates who can organize such, such tournaments. And we have to use the school because... Um, I would like to take this opportunity to advise the, the young ones who are coming because football has, has transformed so much that it's getting to a point if you don't have a certain level of education, you won't play football anymore. So they shouldn't let football take away the, the, the classroom. Right. So that's from with the benefit of hindsight, you're saying that pursue the football but don't throw away the education. Yes. Tony, your perspective on, on, on discovery and development of talent. Um, first of all, it is very important to combine education and football because mm-hmm. you never know what is going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow it can be over. You, you see, my father passed away when I was 15 and um, a lot of people thought I was born with a silver spoon uh, in my mouth. I didn't experience, for instance, what he experienced. When I was 15, I was dragged out of the international school uh, because uh, we couldn't pay the school fees anymore. So um, uh, we were seven kids and um, I could not go to my mom and ask her for money. So I would jump into the bus or to the tram, and, you know, I brought everything is controlled. When the controller came, I ran out of um, the bus or tram, but I was running to school. And this was very, very important. And uh, that helps me today with my life uh, after football. But then I think it's very, very important to work on school football associations, to create more competition, to have uh, also more infrastructure development, which is very, very important. Having seven aside tournaments, you know, Milo being involved, we had Air Terror Rising Stars. Um, I used to do the Coca-Cola U Championship, uh, uh, Glow Soccer Academy reality shows. But we need organized competitions, and I think um, uh, that's where uh, we're also working more and more with the Ghana Football Association to, to get this done. I'm going to come to the future of football after I open the phone lines. But let me ask you one question before I go to our listeners. Listeners, stand by to talk to Anthony Bafo and Stephen Appiah. I'm going to open the phone lines early today so you can interact with your captains. But before that, Anthony, what if you, if you had 50 young, 
talents, footballers looking at you, emerging talents, and you wanted to share with them out of your professional life, out of your experience, one great lesson, one great attribute that would help them become the next big star. What would you tell them? One thing, I'm going to come to you, Stephen, with the same question. Mm. One thing that they will need to rise to the top, what, what would it be? I have to tell you always that there's no elevator to success. You must take the stairs. This is one thing which is very important. If you look at my WhatsApp, even um, my uh, slogan is always, God's time is always the best. Dot, 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 the best. Right. What I want to tell you is that our parents always told us to work hard. Maybe when we were young, we, were not, we didn't understand that. I believe that if you work hard and you always need somebody to support you, the first who's going to support you is Allah, stroke God. So believe in what you're doing. Work hard. Continue. Make the impossible possible. You must believe in yourself, but you must also identify if it's not your way, you must go a different way. One door is closed, many others are open. One door is closed, many doors are open. Stephen, what is your one lesson? When you go into that tournament next few weeks as the icon and the young ones look at you and say, Stephen, how do I become the next Stephen Appiah? Or how do I become that next big star? What, what is that one thing you will tell them? I think um, one thing is not enough. Um, two. It's more than two. It's more than two. They have to be, they have to be prayerful. They have to be disciplined. It's very, very important. They have to focus and determination. And I think that uh, today um, most of the young ones are failing because they, our time we, we always, we, we were passionate about what we were doing. Stephen, talk about PlayStation. They love PlayStation. Yeah, that's what I'm coming to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we were passionate about, um, about um, football. These days when you talk to the young ones, what they think is, uh, I wanted to make money. But they forgot that through the passion and hard work, the money will start coming. Right. You see, I mean, I started using phone at the age of 25. But now you see the young, young kids, 20, uh, 14 years, 15 years, Instagram, uh, uh, WhatsApp. Facebook. So, yeah. So, I mean. with each other. Yes. So, social media, social media is taking a lot. A lot of things away from 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 uh, from the young ones who are coming. So they should they should put social media away, and then they should focus. They should think that through hard work, um, hard work, I mean, they they will succeed in life. But discipline is very very important. Prayer, discipline, focus, determination, and passion. The five keys from Stephen. Anthony, is there a place for you guys in the in the future of the team? As you know, I am the founder and the general secretary of the Professional Football Association of Ghana. We defend the interests of the players when they have contractual differences uh, with uh, the documents or salaries. We also got insurances for them. We have created the Life After Football Fund. We also help the former players to settle well with Life After Football. And uh, this at the moment uh, is very important uh, for us. I'm saying us because Stephen is the vice president. Chrissy Appiah is the president. Michael Layson is also one of the vice president. And people like uh, Abidi Pele, um, uh, Sami Kufo, Kwame Ayu, Augustine Himfo, uh, Yusuf Chips, uh, Ibrahim Tanko. Uh, pardon? Michael. Yeah, I mentioned Michael oh, as, okay, uh, as the vice president. Uh, they're all involved, and uh, I think uh, this is very, very important. We, we are uh, doing an educational tour. We went to visit Kotoko into Allies, Tamayud. We'll be going to the academies to speak to the young talent uh, as well. So um, this, at the moment, is... Uh, uh, our baby, but then we're also uh, very happy that Chrissy Appiah uh, is back 
and uh, he has our full support. Going forward, I think you share some thoughts about development of talent. Let me allow you to give us your closing thoughts in a minute before we go over the show. Let me start with you, Anthony. What, what, what should we be looking at as we go forward? The future of Ghana football, is there hope for us? I believe that uh, it's very, very important that we start from the grassroots and um, also include the schools. Uh, the gentleman was saying uh, it's not in the schools, uh, it's more in, in the areas, but I, I think it's important that those in the areas uh, also go to school and get education com- combined with football. Uh, coaching development, uh, to have coaches who have the highest, uh, who are the highest level, have all the certificates to, um, even if we get into school football, get a lot of former players involved who have the, the, the coaching licenses uh, and also uh, to train the youth. And then I hope um, uh, government will, will add also to uh, infrastructure development, that we have more community pitches, that uh, we get more AstroTurf uh, pitches as well. And we shouldn't let the young, young ones who are seven, eight or nine years old play across the whole pitch. They should play seven aside and uh, have more ball touches. But then you know, it's very, very important, like Stephen also said, to have the discipline, you know, and to get also those from the humble homes to give them scholarships. You see, it's very, very important that um, not... Uh, um, uh, to support them, to support them uh, with scholarship and uh, to help them to develop their career. But uh, I believe Ghana is blessed with very, very good footballers and uh, we have a lot of good academies, but uh, some call themselves academies but are not uh, academies. And we also have to speak uh, to the young ones for them not to be exploited by, by fake agents. This is also one thing which is very important because often they say, Paid 3,000 Ghana or 4,000 Ghana, you get a visa, you get trials outside. But a lot of them are not correct. So, so uh, it's who, very who, who should they talk to? Is the person listening out there, the family is desperate, they are borrowing money, they are selling their goods. Absolutely. We who are there from the Players' Union, from the Players' Association. We have our office uh, inside our craft sports stadium. We're always willing to contribute and to, to assist. And we are there for the players. This right. is the so players' home. The player who needs help can yes. literally walk into your offices. Absolutely. Anytime. Right, that's good news for any player that is confused and wondering what to do in a situation like this. Stephen, take us home. Is there, when you look into the crystal ball, are we likely to have football take that center stage? Those times when, I mean, I, I recall back to the 2006 World Cup, it was our first. The kind of people I saw at the stadium, I couldn't believe it. Dr. Sam Jonah, Dr. Frimpong Boatin, people who, I mean, they had all come to the stadium to watch Black Stars. It really united the nation in a way that you, it was incredible. Will we ever get there again? Um... Yes, we will, but uh, I think that we have to start. <laughs> Let me go back to grassroots football because uh, it, 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 it's a process thing. I mean, Stephen Appiah sitting here talking today. Uh, I, I played under 17. I played Remind under me of that friend, that friend who, who offered you beans and plantain. What's his name again? <laughs> Daniel. 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 <laughs> Let me celebrate Daniel today. Without him, we wouldn't have had a national captain. <laughs> Even Daniel. though he took you out of school, at least Daniel gave us a national captain. Um, um, I mean, it's a process. I mean, right. you have to go through under 17, under 20, under 23, then the national team. But today we are not saying that. Where is the under 17? I mean, uh, somewhere 1990 to 1995, uh, when we won the Cup, equal to 95, 
there we haven't seen any national dance. The 17 has never been the under 17 that we know because at a point everybody was like looking after the under 17 because I remember uh, Gago Mohammed, uh, Osekufo, Alessio Poku, and the Ray Emmanuel Duya. I mean, they were they were playing so well when the under 17 they were playing for the under 17. But as we said, now the coast football is not there. Uh, we're not getting the players like the way we used to. So um, it's very, very important to bring back uh, coast football. Coast football. Let me bring you a few thoughts from our listeners watching us on Facebook. Chrissy Tresses, I'm enjoying the program. Great guys, Tony and Stephen. Kofidom writing from the U.S. is two of Ghana's finest ambassadors. Nene Nyabu watching from Tadi on his mobile phone. He's just enjoying the two of you. Ni Obliadefio says, great show. And then Imano Lanza says, last week was great. Today is simply wonderful with Stephen and Tony. Stephen and Tony, on behalf of the team here at Springboard, want to see a big thumbs up to you for your contribution to making this a great nation we, we are proud of you guys we appreciate what you have done and on behalf of all our listeners we celebrate you as ambassadors of this nation who have contributed your best and you are wonderfully wonderfully appreciated thank you for coming on the show okay. thank and you God very much bless. thank you right so that brings us to the end of our series on talent we've had six interesting sessions on talent development crossed over from music to production to art to writing explore different kinds of talents we hope that after listening to this and listening to all the ideas and the wisdom of the experts that we've brought into the studio, you now know how to take that little talent from the backyard and bring it onto the global stage. Alright, so thank you so much for tuning in. On behalf of Comfort, Matthew, Amos and Isha, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you, God bless you and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more searching, searching. The light has come.